Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. You know him from the New York Post, from Fox, from the Daily Mail. From the Morning Wire, David Marcus is joining the show now, and I'm so excited about this because yesterday was a huge news day. And David, I think what I want to start with, we obviously know that the press conference that Joe Biden had yesterday was a complete disaster. But my question for you, speaking, you know, giving us a little bit of insight into what you think the strategy was, do you think somebody sent him out for him to fail or do you think that the White House really thought this was the best idea? I think they had to do something. I mean, I think, you know, it's a crazy day when I'm watching CNN and they say yesterday was the best day that Donald Trump has ever had, right? Because, you know, we start with what was clearly going to, clearly looks like the Supreme Court is going to go his way in regard to the case that was argued yesterday. And then this Robert Hersing dropped, you know, the special counsel drops this report, basically calling the president of the United States a doddering old man. I mean, they had to put him out there, and I think the best option they have for him right now is angry. And so that's kind of what they went with. And, I mean, obviously it was a disaster, but you have to address it, right? I mean, you can't just leave that hanging out there. So, no, I don't think they were trying to intentionally hurt him. I just think that they were in an impossible situation. Yeah, and now you're getting a lot of talking heads and, you know, people on social media speculating about what's going to happen next if Joe Biden were to step aside. Everyone's acting, David, like we don't have this elephant in the room, which is the fact that his vice president, Kamala Harris, in all of these hypothetical situations is just getting pushed to the the side and people are acting like she's just going to go away into the night if they put in Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom or any of the other contenders. I don't think it's going to be that easy for them. What do you say? You know, the, the historical precedent here would be to go back to 1968 uh, when LBJ uh, declined to run for what would have been his second term, right? He finished Kennedy's term. He had one term, and then he was eligible for another. He didn't drop out of that race until March 31st, 1968, right? Some primaries had already happened. Basically, this, this similar situation that we're in right now It'd be a scramble. Um, would Kamala Harris have a little bit of an inside track? I guess she probably would. I mean, donors would have something to do uh, to, to say about this. Um, Democrat superdelegates would have something to say about this. Uh, so it would be a huge mess. Um, but I mean, it's already a huge mess, right? Yes, yes, I I think that's fair to say. Uh, David, I wanted to switch gears here while I have you and talk a little bit about Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin. What I love about following you on social media is whenever all of the right is on one wavelength, you're usually on the other or you're not afraid to be on the other, which I appreciate. Um, And I saw you reacting to Tucker's interview. Give us what your takeaway was, how he did. Did you think that he was in the 
in the pocket of Putin? Was he Putin's puppet? Or was he like the right was saying? Was it some wonderful interview that uh, we'll be looking at for the rest of time? What was your takeaway from Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin? Yeah, I, I I love Tucker Carlson. Um, I was on his show a bunch of times. Um, he's he's been of great assistance to me. I, I I interviewed him for my book. I'll be honest. I thought the interview was a little soft. Uh, now that having been said, it, it certainly no softer than the myriad interviews of Zelensky, in which like you know we find out what kind of puppies and chocolates he likes, right? Um, but look, it's it's hard. I, I kept thinking to myself, like, would I want to interview Putin? And and what would? You know, and my answer is really no, not because I don't think anybody should, but for me personally, to do that kind of interview with that kind of person, like, I would need to know so much about Russia that like I don't know, right? I was also a little uncomfortable with doing it in Russia while journalist Evan Gerskovich from the Wall Street Journal is imprisoned there. Now Tucker did bring that up. And I thought that that was really important that he did. Um, but look, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Like, what do you want him to do? Is he supposed to be a jerk to Putin? No. Is he supposed to throw softballs? No. It's, it's a very hard balance to strike. And I don't think that he did, but I think it would have been almost impossible to do it. Yeah, that's the part of it that I kept kind of going back to, because I agreed with you. I agree with you that my litmus test was asking about the uh, Wall Street Journal journalist who's being held there. But I also think that if he were to just kind of be a jerk to him, it's not like it's going to accomplish anything, really. You know, it's not like, oh, okay, now uh, he put Putin in his place. So it was a weird line to walk. Um, The other part of this interview that I want to ask you about I'm sorry, the other question I have for you, David, is about this race in New York. So for people who aren't aware, there's a special election in New York to replace George Santos. There's two candidates, uh, Mozzie Pillup and Tom Swazi. And David, this race is a lot closer than I think it typically would be in New York. Why do you think that is? And, and do you have any insight into what you think is going to happen here? Yeah, so the, the race is on Long Island, right? And if you think back to the 22 midterms, they were a disaster for Republicans everywhere except for two places, Florida and New York. Uh, the, it's the reason that they have the House of Representatives right now is really th- these, these five districts mostly dotted around just outside New York City. Santos was one of the people who won that, and, and that's this district. Look, Swazi's a, a well-known politician there. He probably, he, he probably has a bit of a lead here. But when you look at what's going on in New York, I mean, when you look at the migrant crisis, when you look at, at NYPD cops getting, you know, beat up by illegal immigrants, when you look at the fact that, you know, they're, they're handing out ATM cards uh, to, to people, there's a lot for Republicans to run on here. And, you know, there's a shot. I, I, I think there's, there's definitely a shot. And it's important because Republicans in the House have this, you know, this vanishing majority uh, that just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So this this would be a this would be a really big hold. What do you think are the most important? You just mentioned illegal immigration, but as far as this specific area in New York, and, and we know that uh, George Santos was able to win there at, at one point. He's since been expelled. But what do you think is most important to people in New York right now? Setting aside the illegal immigration issue, which now you're hearing even like Fifty Cent and other celebrities are talking about. Besides that, what are what is on the mind of these voters? I mean, look, I think inflation and, and the economy always is, is on the mind of the voters. I think what swung 22 
both, honestly, in, in Florida and New York. And I don't know why it happened there and, like, not so many other places, but at least in New York, it, it was a lot of blowback against COVID policy. People were very upset. Now, I don't know if that's sort of, like, in the back of their mind now or it's something that people don't really like to think about too much. Um, but that that kind of pushed the, the, the mini red wave that happened in New York. I do think, though, this time around, you know, when I, you know, I, I – I moved out of New York about a year ago, but I talk to my friends there all the time. And this is the issue. I mean, this is this is the thing that they're talking about every day is the border and, and, and the migrant crisis and the you know kids losing their their schools and playing fields. And it's it's a big deal. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. David, can I I just want to go back to one thing here, if I could, before I let you go. We were talking about Joe Biden. We we're talking about the presser he gave yesterday. And something that I, I kind of always think about is that Rachel Campos Duffy way it was a long time ago. It was like years ago. She uh, actually was very critical of Jill Biden. And she said, you know, what kind of wife is this that doesn't tell their husband, OK, like it's it's enough. C- come on back now. We're not going to keep doing this anymore. And I've seen a lot of those pieces today in The New York Post and other places of people criticizing Joe Biden and saying, this is your job. You're his wife. You know, someone should be there looking out for him. I'm curious what you make of that. And, and given what history's shown us with presidents and this isn't the first president to ever have issues, whether it's cognitive or otherwise. So what what do you think of Jill Biden? And do you think she has a little bit of responsibility? here you know i guess she does but look I, this is the biden family business right i'm i'm very old and joe biden was a senator before i was born i, I mean this is this is what they do um i will say this you know and i was thinking about this yesterday it's like when joe biden ran in 2020 we all knew like okay he's not he wasn't as sharp as he was when he was vice president but you know just people get older we were comparing him to that Next time you watch clips of Joe Biden, take a look at the clips from 2021-2022. The difference is remarkable, right? He's, we're not talking about the difference between a decade now. He's losing ground every six months. And basically, we're six months away from the Democratic National Convention. So, look, I never liked any of this stuff. I didn't like when they, you know, show video of of Trump not moving his arm and they'd be like, Trump had a stroke, right? Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not in the room. I'm not a doctor. I'm not any of those things, but it's getting to the point, Grace, where you don't have to be. We, we just, we just see it and it's sad and it's life and it's, it's reality. But it, as they say in New York, it is what it is. Yeah. And it is sad. You're right. I, I watch it and I watched him yesterday and as much as he infuriates me, there's another part of me that goes, whoa, the fact that nobody in yeah. there is looking out for this guy is that'd be a tough way to spend, you know, your 80s is being pushed around and told what to say. And then I'm sure I'm sure, David, when he goes back there after that performance yesterday, I'm sure he gets yelled at. I'm sure everyone's yelling different things at him. You know, he really looked when he was when he was looking at the reporters yesterday. He looked frightened, like he had this look of fear in his eyes. And you, you it's hard not to feel bad. I actually to bring it full circle. I go back to something I heard Tucker Carlson say a long time ago, which is my scorn has turned to pity. And it's hard not yeah. to feel that way at this point. Uh, David Marcus, we've been talking a little bit about COVID. I know you have a book on it. Tell people where they can buy that book, the title of it, and where they can follow you on Twitter. Oh, yeah. So it's called Charade, uh, The COVID Lies That Crushed the Nation. It basically, it really only covers 2020, but it's, it's you know, it's it's fairly in-depth. There's, there's 12 sort of myths that I try to break apart uh, in the book. And I was writing it really as it happened 
as a as a sort of historical document. So you can get that at Amazon or any of those places. And uh, on X, you can follow me at Blue Box Days. Thank you very much, David Marcus. We appreciate it. We will be right back. We're going to take all of your calls. I know people still want to talk. We'll play some of the sound from the Tucker and Putin interview. I think David hit the nail on the head. Like, was it the most groundbreaking interview of all time? Did he hold his feet to the fire? No. But um, do I think anyone would have done a better job with it? No, I don't. Um, Also, what I wanted to mention here is we have a lot of sound to get through. And I think what I'm going to do, Jared, because we have over 40 cuts here. I'm going to go through this and just circle the the must plays. We'll play those. We'll take your calls. We'll discuss what we think is going to happen next. I really don't think Joe Biden is going to be the candidate come the election. It just doesn't seem like he has it in him. Um, I think the problem for them now is going to be trying to convince him to step aside because based off last night, he really didn't want to seem to let it go. He's angry. And David's right. They're playing the anger card. And it's probably the best one they have because I think he gets a little bit more. He gets these moments of clarity when he's angry. But they don't last long. Like even that Peter Ducey line. I didn't think that was a bad line, actually, when he said, my memory's so bad, I'm letting you speak. Wasn't a terrible line. But then he follows it up with mixing up the president of Mexico and Egypt. So he undoes any any progress. Uh, we'll talk about this. I'll take your calls. But right now I want to discuss the Nasa Beach Inn. The Nasa Beach Inn is just a wonderful place. And I wish, Jared, that when I was leaving here today, I was just driving right to the Nasa Beach because it's such a beautiful spot. It's so tranquil. It's such a nice way to spend a weekend. And you can spend a weekend there for a really good price. I'm talking under $200 this winter. Yeah, you are not going to be able to stay anywhere for under $200 this winter. The Nauset Beach Inn is the place to go. It's the Cape in the winter. This uh, this weekend is supposed to be nice. So, you know, things are warming up. Hopefully spring will be here soon. So you want to take advantage of these winter rates while you can. Go to NausetBeachInn.com now and do that. I went down there. It was such a great time. My wife and I, we went down there. And we loved sitting by the fire pits and having our morning coffee and watching the sunrise. We walked along the beach and it was great because it's the Cape in winter. The beach isn't crowded. You can hear the ocean. You can hear the waves. Um, If it's a little too cold, then you can just stay in your room and be cozy because every room has a picture window with a great view of the ocean and a fireplace in every room. It's it's fantastic. It's tranquil and it's so affordable right now. Yeah, so go to NossetBeachInn.com. That's NossetBeachInn.com to book your room today and we will be right back. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Local Silver Mint, located in Ware, New Hampshire. Silver Dave will work with you directly. Contact him at localsilvermint.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is what was Biden's worst moment from the presser? Throwing his staff under the bus, mixing up the president of Mexico and Egypt, lashing out at the press, or lying about disclosing classified information to his ghostwriter. I'm going to say Mexico and Egypt. 
That is in the lead now with 36%, 34% for lying about the documents to his ghostwriter or sharing classified documents with ghostwriter, 16% for lashing out at the press, and 14% for throwing staffers under the bus. The crazy part about the Mexico-Egypt mix-up, or gaff, as you know the media is going to call it, oh, he misspoke. We all misspeak occasionally. Yeah. I don't think it's the same thing. We don't all speak to dead people. Unless, is that something everyone's doing and I'm just unaware of it? Is everyone having seances every day? KJP says everybody, like, it's totally common. It happens. It just happens. But the reason I wanted to bring that up was because he was walking away from the podium, right? And he's got some folder, some binder or something. And he's walking away from the podium. He's not going to take any more questions. He takes a couple questions, yells at Peter Ducey, talks about how, how dare... How dare Robert Herr bring up the fact that he couldn't remember when his son died? And, you know, it goes on and on. And then he's done and he's walking away. And I'm telling you right now, they said to him beforehand, I just feel it in my bones. Somebody said to him beforehand, if they ask you about Israel, because this is a real issue for him. His voting base of radical leftist Looney Tunes, these young Gen Zers, who are stopping um, the the traffic when he's in his fundraisers in New York City and who are, you know, chaining themselves to whatever fences. I don't even know what they're up to anymore. Throwing soup at stuff. They're very upset with the fact that he's not being anti-Israel enough for them. So somebody must have said to him, if they ask you, try to find somebody asking you about Israel. Because we want you to go out and really lay into the fact that you're not happy with Israel and they've gone over the top and, you know, it's a disproportionate response to what happened. And that's what he did. He was walking away. He He's looking at the, the reporters trying to hear something about Israel. He gets a question and then he walks back and then he starts to slightly open up his folder and look down. So they must have said to him, we want to get it out there to our crazy minions, to our crazy voters that we're on their side, that we're calling for a ceasefire. Even though we can't say we're calling for a ceasefire, we're very disappointed in Bibi. And that's when he got into this whole mess with Mexico. So can I have, um, can I have cut 19, please? I'm of the view, as you know, that the conduct of the response in, Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been um, over the top. I think that, uh, as you know, initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. Wow. The Egyptian president of Mexico didn't want to open the gate to Gaza. Huh. The more you know. By the way, I'm of the view, and I'm going to say this a little bit faster than Joe. I'm not going to take the long pauses. I'm of the view that Hamas, I didn't have to reach out to the audience, Jared, to get that one. It's it's real fresh in my mind. That Hamas going into the kibbutzes on October 7th and beheading people and raping women and setting people on fire. I'm of the view that that's a little over the top. But after that response where he's mixing up world leaders, do you think that Robert Hur is sitting here going, he's right, I was so off. I was so off. 
I had no right to accuse him of slipping. That's not a man who's slipping. We'll take your calls on this, 844-500-4242. So many more sound cuts to play, including the one-horse pony versus Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Mr. President, for months when you were asked about your age, you would respond with the words, watch me. Watch Many me. American people have been watching and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your is judgment. That is not the judgment concerns. of the press. Wait, it's not the <laughs> yeah. It's not the judgment of the who? Of the press. Wait, but you just said it's her judgment. She is the press. I'm confused. I feel like Joe at this point. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And the other part of it too that I want to talk about is when he My good. He got very offended when because there was a line in the report that said that Joe couldn't remember when his son Bo died. Within years, he couldn't he couldn't remember the date. And this is what Joe had to say about it. Can I get cut five, please? In addition, I know there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. I have a few thoughts about that. The first one being... That I don't think Robert Hur was writing that to be disrespectful to Joe Biden. I'm sure if Robert Hur had the choice between writing a glowing report about how wonderful and sharp Joe Biden was or putting out the report he did, I'm sure he would have chosen the first option. The second part of it is based off of what we know about Joe, he brings up Bo quite a lot, quite a bit. And I'm not saying it because to be mean or anything like that. He brings him up all the time. We've seen it on the campaign trail. We've seen it when he's president and he's just doing, you know, regular events. Bo comes up when he's talking to families who have lost somebody. When he's in any situation involving a tragedy, he brings up Bo. It's just a fact. He brings him up all the time. As uh, as the attorney yesterday in the Supreme Court said, it's indisputable. I-, I do think it's indisputable. So the reason I say that is I would love to see the transcript of when this was brought up and and i i have to give credit because people on social media have pointed this out as well i do not think that robert her asked him that as any sort of gotcha and i don't think he brought it up out of nowhere i would bet that if you saw a transcript joe biden brought up his son and robert her followed up with when did he die or or something along those lines i don't know how the exact conversation went obviously we don't have it but i don't think robert her was the one to first bring up Bo. if history is any guide it was probably the president of the united states and that's not a leap given the fact that when the reports of the documents came out his defense was my son was sick and dying at the time so i can't keep track of everything you know that was kind of the line at the time that was the throwback to well my son was sick my son was dying so that was you could infer uh from that that that's probably the defense he used when talking to robert her so her probably followed up with okay when did 
your son died. But then, the the way Joe Biden frames oh, it yeah. is that they were sitting at a table and Robert Hurd just said this to him out of nowhere and said it, and by the way, in a very disrespectful way. When did your son die? I just don't think it happened like that. That Jared's right. It doesn't track with what we know. He was already talking about his son in regards to this mishandling of documents. Now, let's play the, the next part where he's like really angry now. This is cut six. Let me tell you something. Some of you have commented, I wear since the day he died, every single day, the rosary he got from Our Lady of... Every Memorial Day, we hold a service remembering him, attending by friends and family and the people who loved him. Now, again, I'm just prefacing it with, I'm trying to be as sensitive as possible. I know this is a very serious topic. I know this was a huge, huge loss in his life, and I'm not saying this to be an ass but i think he forgot in that in that cut we just played i think he forgot the church that he was going to say and he covered it up by acting like if i keep going with this i'm gonna get too upset which we've seen before that's a strategy he he uses quite often but i think he forgot in that moment and it's like and by the way it doesn't make him it's not a nobody's trying to say that he's forgetting all of these things and that makes him a bad person. We're just saying that, yes, we feel pity for this person who can't remember anything, but that's why he shouldn't be president. It's the most basic argument I've ever heard. If you're not fit to stand trial, then you're not fit to be the leader of the free world. Nobody's poking fun at anyone with dementia or Alzheimer's or any of these cognitive uh, problems. But that doesn't mean that the person you know in your life who has this, that you'd sign them up to be part of the Senate or that you'd sign them up to be president. It's just, it, it, it's, it's all very, it's all very obvious to anyone who's paying attention. Jim, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Jim. Hello. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'll preface just with that, uh, my mother actually passed from what Biden's going through, but I have no compunction to be nice or, or gentle with this man in any shape, manner, or form, even from get from the get-go from what he did in Bagram. I can just start there and leave everything else out. What he did there and the fact that he keeps bringing up his son out of context and what he actually did to soldiers in the field, sorry. Lost me, buddy. I could care less about him. I re- I don't feel any need to be nice about it. Zero. Yeah. No, Jim, I, I don't blame you at all. And you know what? I, I always nope. fluctuate because it's sometimes he just seems so lost that it's the human reaction in me is to go, oh, God, somebody help this guy get him out of there. But you're right. You have to remind yourself of all of the times where the mask has slipped and where he has been aware of what he's doing. And he's been a complete jerk and he's been a terrible leader. Um, and so, no, I don't I don't fault you for that one bit. Uh, Mike, you're up next on the Grace Curley show. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, thanks, Grace. Hey, listen, you know, something heard didn't mention yesterday. Mm. You know, the statement, all the statements about this with with the document case with Biden. Look, this is a violation of the Espionage Act, okay? Title 18, number 793, gathering, transmitting, copying, or possession of national defense information. He gave this to his ghostwriter. That's a no-no, number one. Number two, he's, they didn't mention that yesterday. And when you mention the Espionage Act, it was founded in 1917. 
Well, we well hold so on, Mike. They, they did mention the it. They, they did mention the fact that he was sharing classified information with his ghostwriter, and he just lied about it. Like, he doesn't have to. This is the craziest part about Joe Biden is that it must be nice to be him because all you have to do is just deny re- reality. We, we have the report. The report says he did these things, and he wants to say, well, part of the report's true when it, when it talks about how I shouldn't be charged with anything, but the part about me sharing classified documents, that's not what the report says. Take a listen to this back and forth. This is cut 15. I did not share classified information. I did not share it with, your ghost with my ghostwriter. I did not. Guarantee you did not. What the re- well, no, he did not say that. He did not say that. But, well, let, let me answer your question. When, when that reporter says, okay, okay, that's the okay you give to an old person who's lost their mind, who you know there's no point in fighting with. Because this reporter knows it's in there willfully. Not only did he give this classified information, he willfully gave it. He knew what he was doing. That's in the report. And he's just going to stand there and go, no, I didn't. What are you supposed to say to that? What are you supposed to give him the receipts as if he doesn't have access to the report? I, I don't even know what that reporter is supposed to do in that situation. It's like, okay, if you if you want to say you didn't, fine. Let's move on to the next thing. 844-500-4242. I also want to play more cuts here, but we'll keep going with the calls because people have a lot to say. Nick, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Nick. Hi, and follow up to your last caller. He's dead on. This is Section F, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Liberals need to understand conjunctions, or, or, or. Okay, A through G. There's a bunch of ors there. F is all by itself. You know what it says? You've gathered, you've, you may have uh, uh, transmitted, and you uh, lost, lost gross negligence for 36 years in the Senate. He was on a lot of committees. He always bragged about his foreign, foreign policy experience, etc., defense experience, etc. Okay, 36 years. Eight with Obama. Eight more years. Right? That's 44. So tack in like two more to 2022 when they claim... November of, 20, of, of, the, of, of 2022. They knew damn well before that. That's why they raided uh, uh, Mar-a-Lago on August. Does anybody think that's coincidental? I'm tired of hearing that they're different. You better damn well believe they're different based on what I just told you. So you committed a crime, many crimes, just by losing them. You kidding me? University of Pennsylvania. Did they go through all those? You better believe they did not. Well, yeah. the other part of this, too, is that there's CNN legal analyst, not Jeffrey Tubin. He hasn't been promoted yet. He's still he's still on the he gets off the bench on a big day like yesterday where you had the Supreme Court hearing oral arguments and you had obviously this this presser with Biden. But it doesn't mean that he has an official title there. He's just welcome back. Like I said, though, not on Zoom. Okay, there still has to be guardrails. Uh, but Eli Honig was Noted on. Noted wearer of pants. <laughs> That's what gives him the edge over Eli Jeffries. Honig, pant wearing legal <laughs> analyst on CNN. He's like, I knew this would come in handy someday. It really did give him the edge over Jeffrey Tubin. He's like, you know, after all these years, sit on the sidelines, Jeffrey. My affinity for wearing pants has proven. To be fruitful. Call him Pans Honig in the cafeteria. <laughs> okay, so this is cut 40. Honig's talking about uh, just what Biden knew. Um, cut 40. Here are the facts. Joe Biden, established by this report, 
Joe Biden retained sensitive classified documents after he left the vice presidency. Marked the, classified? Or? Yes, marked classified, highest level, top secret SCI. They related to our international affairs, to war plans, to foreign relations. He knew it. He knew it. He's on tape after he's out of the vice presidency saying to his autobiographer, the classified documents are in the basement. He knew it. Eli better watch himself because he is getting dangerously close to getting the boot for a Mr. Tubin. Okay, you keep that up talking about Biden knew this, Biden knew that. O.J. Simpson's going to be telling you soon that Jeffrey Tubin is back in town. Damn. <laughs> yeah, and I got to play some of these reactions to what happened yesterday because I really thought how he talks about dead enders with COVID. I really thought that the dam was going to break. I thought nobody, nobody can defend this anymore. Oh, was I wrong? And there's so many of them still out there. Let's first play Mary Bruce because a lot of people argued, including the tubester, that the worst moment for Biden was mixing up the president of Egypt and Mexico. Now, Mary Bruce doesn't seem to think so. She's she's here to give Joe Biden some much deserved credit. This is cut 35. Now, moments after defending his memory, the president mistakenly referred to the president of Egypt as the president of Mexico. He did later get it right. But look, the president clearly knows that while legally this may be over politically, this report can still do him some damage. And that obviously angers him and is something, George, that he's trying to get ahead of. I'm not sure I would go out on a limb and say Biden knows much of anything. But also, I love how she throws in. He later got it right. I don't I watched the whole thing. I don't remember that part. Now I could be wrong. But no. I, I don't remember him getting it right later. And and that is the part of this that is the most frightening. Because you can argue what, what a lot of these talking heads like Lawrence Lawrence O'Donnell from MSNBC, noted fake tough guy, and others are trying to prove, like Joy Behar, uh Dan Goldman, is that well, no, everybody misspeaks. That's what we heard from KJP yesterday. People people call out for the wrong people all the time. You know, we all make mistakes. But the telltale sign that something's very wrong is that oftentimes when Joe does this, he doesn't catch himself. He doesn't catch himself 10 seconds later. He doesn't really catch himself five minutes later. He keeps going. And, and so that, for me, is really all you need to know. But according to Mary Bruce, he got it right later. So gold star to Joe Biden. Uh, let's also play a little bit of, we'll stick with the media people, uh, cut 28, because now Robert Hur is a MAGA man. He's a evil mega MAGA man who's going after St. Joe. This is cut 28. But he has a political piece of bad news woven in there, which is what seems like cheap shot derogatory attacks on him, um, which I wouldn't call normal course of investigatory material. And so maybe Mr. Herr would be better suited going for a job as White House physician. <laughs> but, but he'd have to go and get a, a medical degree, too, because legally there's no interest or relevance to his views of the, the president's overall memory. If it's very specifically to the mental criminal intent or mens rea and you say you could have this criminal intent and you didn't remember this, you didn't mean to do it, sure. But, but talking about um, how, for example, the president remembers or discusses his son's death and, and Mr. Herder and his team's apparent view that that tells you something. Um, the, uh, can, I, can I just cut in here? And I don't want to try to fight with Ari Melber. He's obviously way smarter than I am. But I'm here to tell you, Ari, 
that if anyone in your profession, any of the hacks that I'm always supposed to feel bad for when you guys lose your jobs, if any of you felt compelled to comment on any of these very obvious problems Joe Biden's having over the last four years, four years plus, really, then maybe Robert Hur wouldn't have had to even write this report. Maybe Joe Biden wouldn't be president right now. But none of you acknowledge it. You have your heads in the sand. You live in la-la land, in fantasy land, with unicorns whose horns can pierce the sky. So yeah, he is going to write about it. I'm, I'm sorry he's not bought and paid for like all of you are, apparently. I'm sorry he's not part of the gentleman's agreement with Joe Biden. But thank God he's not. Somebody had to say it. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls. Recently, a Grace Curley Show listener, Candace, called into the show to tell us how much she loved the thunderstorm. A lot of you guys were probably listening when she talked about her furnace that was serviced. And then afterwards, there was kind of a weird smell lingering. She plugged in her thunderstorms and bam, it got rid of the smell. And her husband, who was a non-believer, had to say, Candace, honey, I'm sorry you were right. And that's the best part of the story to me is that the husband was proven wrong and Candace was victorious. One of the great parts about the thunderstorm is that it isn't one of those flowery plugins that tries to cover up smells with more smells, creating some sort of weird super smell concoction. No, the thunderstorm eliminates odors, whether it's tobacco, pet, musty basement odors. It gets rid of it all. And right now you can get the three pack special. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Check out the three pack special. It's the perfect size. It doesn't take up any floor space and it comes in handy. Just ask Candace. If you want to get your hands on the three-pack special, go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code GRACE3. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Code GRACE and the number three. We'll be right back. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. I take responsibility for not having seen exactly what my staff was doing. It goes in and points out things that appeared in my garage, things that came out of my home, things that were moved, were moved not by me, but my staff. Things that, appeared, staff. things that appeared in my garage like it's David Blaine, like it's Chris Angel. They just, they appeared. Can we get that same sound cut, Jared? And then I want to edit in the sound of a bus just going by because that was right when he just tossed them in he was like all right sorry everybody i can't take the blame for this one he's a good boss though that that's what (laughs) what i love that's what i love about joe he's such a good boss By the way, is anyone having a... Everyone keeps saying, oh, Trump had the best day yesterday. Trump had the best day. Supreme Court's looking like they're going to be very skeptical of this ballot ban. Even Katanji Brown-Jackson and other liberal justices were really outspoken about how shaky this whole thing was. And we're just slamming some of the arguments being made by the attorney representing the Colorado voters. And so, and then you couple that with Joe Biden's strange presser, and everyone's like, oh, Biden had the best day. Biden had the best day. No, you know who had the best day? You know who had the best day? 
Madame Vice President to you. That's right. Kamala Harris, as Joe Biden calls her. You know where everybody knows your name? (laughs) I'm sure she was sitting back there watching this presser eating popcorn going, ooh boy. We'll be right back. Do gotta go.